Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to New Jersey's Education Forum, a blog talk radio show dedicated to bringing state leaders and the most current education issues to local board members and others in the education community. As is the the design of this show, we hope that the communication is not just one way and we encourage you to call in and ask questions. My name is Ray Penny and I will be your host this afternoon. First, we will not be using the chat room feature of this show today. If you are interested in calling, A few things you should know. To call in, dial 1-347-989-8904, and when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press the number 1, and that will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. One other note, uh, the switchboard does not indicate the name of the caller, so I have someone screening the calls as we go along. Her name is Lauren, and she will just give me your name. Uh, If you are on the phone and listening at the computer, um, it's a little confusing, so I would ask you to turn the volume of your computer down so that you can listen just on the phone since there's a delay. Finally, I will not be taking callers uh, right away, but I will in, a, in about 15 minutes or so, so be patient. Uh, our, our topic for today's uh, show is the 2% cap and the repercussions and reality of this hard cap. Uh, back last June... And July, if you remember, the legislature and the governor were fighting not over the, just over the budget, but over dueling budget cap proposals for school districts and municipalities. The legislature was proposing a 2.9% and the governor a 2.5% compromise uh, budget cap. And in New Jersey, where mathematics is a little strange, they settled on compromise of 2%. Um, the previous cap was 4% and had more adjustments and waivers for school districts, such as uh, for increases in enrollment and the loss of state aid. Joining me today will be Doug Barrett and Jim Edwards, two business officials. Uh, Doug is with the Ultapan Board, and Jim is with the Brick Township Board of Ed. I don't think uh, Doug has joined us yet, uh, but Doug, are you there? I'm here. I'm actually here, right? Okay, Doug. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Old Japan uh, School District before we get going and how long you've been a business administrator there? Sure, sure. Um, the Old Japan uh, School District uh, is a, a, a K-8 school district, uh, an affluent community in uh, northeast Bergen County. It's actually right on the border of New York. Um, we're a district factor group I, um, for those that are familiar with what the district factor group is, uh, and we feed into the Northern Valley Regional High School. Uh, I've been a business administrator for the past seven years. Um, I'm a CPA. Before that, actually, I, I worked for uh, in public accounting and actually worked in the entertainment business for for a brief period as well. Um, and uh, that's pretty much uh, that's, that's everything. Oh, okay. Um, uh, 
Jim has not yet joined us, so we'll just go right to some of our questions for you. Um, sure. And I know that you network with a lot of other business officials in uh, Bergen County so that you'll have a feel for what some of the other districts are going through. Uh, before we move on to the 2% hard cap, how did the 4% cap last year also with the loss of state aid affect your Ultapan last year? Well, I mean, to, to just reiterate what you said, I mean, because I, I think it's it's certainly significant. Uh, Ultapan being affluent um, wound up losing 100% of our state aid, which was about $600,000. Uh, I know that, that uh, Christie always touts how they just cut 5% of everyone's school budget, but as state aid only represented 5% of our overall budget, uh, his cut meant we lost everything in terms of state aid. Um, we also had some additional difficulty. Uh, our budget was defeated for the first time in about 16 years last year, uh, which came as a bit of a surprise, uh, although I think the governor asking uh, townspeople to vote their budgets down didn't help. Uh, we, we actually were somewhat fortunate, though, despite uh, those difficulties. Uh, every single employee in our school district agreed to a wage freeze for the 10-11 school year, uh, and as a result, we didn't have to cut any positions last year. Okay, and did you have to cut any programs last year? Not last year. Uh, certainly uh, due directly to the fact that every employee agreed to a wage freeze. And is that wage freeze in effect for this year, too, or is that something that might have to be negotiated? Well, it was the actual wage freeze was agreed to last year for this year. So for the 10-11 school year, everyone is, is paid exactly what they were paid for the last school year, for 9-10. Oh, okay. Well, that that helps. Um, all right, moving on to this year then. Um, what are some of the the costs? Because the 2%, as I stated before, doesn't have the number of waivers or adjustments that a district could use in the past. What are some of the costs that will force the district to uh, – will be more difficult for the district to overcome in their budget. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, for us, because of the fact that we had the wage freeze for the current year, um, certainly there's going to be, we, we, I, I would be, you know, highly um, doubtful that we'd be able to get a wage freeze for the 11-12 school year as well. So certainly, you know, we're going to have to deal with uh, an increase for salary, certainly uh, health benefits, um, but I think the, the 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 main concern, at least for me, is actually special education costs. Um, I think they're the most problematic, um, simply because of the fact that you know we can get a, a student that that moves into the district on September 1st that uh, is, you know needs to go to an out of district placement, and those placements cost you know seventy, eighty thousand dollars, and you know even higher in certain instances. Uh, those things can just destroy a budget. And um, there's really nothing that a business administrator can do because, you know, those those uh, placements are driven by the student's IEP or individual uh, education program. So it has to be implemented, um, which means that you're going to have to, you know, send that child to the placement that they're supposed to be placed in, and the cut to basically pay for that placement is going to have to come from somewhere else in your budget. And uh, you know, I think where we're going with this, with the two percent cap, and, and the, you know, the, certainly the the, uh, the limited flexibility that all school districts are going to be facing, we're going to have to be, I think, sacrificing the quality of education for regular ed students. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be compromised for the needs of these special ed students. Yes, and uh, that was actually uh, the special ed was the one 
area that I know the school board association and the other education groups were hoping to get another adjustment for because uh, it's one of those that's a big ticket item that they have limited control on. Uh, right. I mean, I think that. Yeah, I think that would have been something that would have made things a little bit more realistic in terms of trying to manage a budget, just because of the the size of the costs and the uncertainty with them. Um, you know, I think that's going to cause many school districts great, a tremendous difficulty going forward because it's it's hard to keep that you know conservative budget for special ed uh, out of district placements and you know hold on to everything else that you currently have. Uh, what are some of the other costs that, uh, besides special ed, is what about uh, we hear a lot about health care and insurance costs? How are they going to be working? How well, are you forecasting for, yeah. them this year? Well, he does. I know that the the two percent has the you know has the exemptions for the limited exemptions, but for health insurance and and uh, and pension, those I don't yet know what our health insurance renewal will be. We're, we are not in the school employee health benefit plan. So I'm still waiting to get my numbers uh, from our, our, our private party, uh, but I'm not sure what that's going to be. I, I'm doubtful that we're going to be able to take advantage of, of the exemptions. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's still too soon for me to tell at this point. But I certainly wish, you know, that we had more, you know, I wish the waiver system was still in place that was under the 4% cap, um, not even to talk about the old spending growth limitation adjustments from before, you know, A1 was put into effect. So uh, certainly there has been a, a tightening of the noose, so to speak, uh, around, uh, you know, the, the school budgeting process. Um, now, you're a K-8 district, so you probably have less of the – I know you have less of the extracurricular activities and the uh, – and sports programs that a K-12 or high school program might have. So if you have to make cuts, where do you make cuts? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we, we don't have the, the flexibility that maybe a large K-12 school district would have in terms of having you know, significant sports programs and extracurricular programs. And um, being a K-8 school district, we have, we have a small interscholastic sports program, and we do have some other uh, extracurriculars, but they're they're not a significant amount of money, uh, especially when you're dealing with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars that the district has lost between state aid and even the rolling back of the cap from four percent to two percent uh, is hundreds of thousands of dollars that that we would be able to uh, to put into a budget. So I, I think unfortunately it's you know there's not so, there's not so many options for us. I think that um, you know staff cuts and program cuts are 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 you know certainly going to have to have to occur um which is very disappointing certainly so that would be up to the the board and administration to decide which cuts they'll be making and it's not necessarily because you don't want the programs you just can't afford them exactly i think it's it's from an economic standpoint it's an it's an impossible scenario um based upon the realities of of running a school district um you know, I've worked in, in other places before and, and dealt with budgets, and there's been nothing as restrictive and almost somewhat illogical uh, than than what we're dealing with with this two percent cap. I mean, just as an example, if you if you open a new school up in your school district, um, there is no exemption. There's no way to raise any additional funds to open that school, which uh, I, I, I certainly feel bad for districts that are going to be in that position right now. 
And I would th- I was in the, uh, at a Sussex County forum last night, and one of the other exemptions that they used to have was tuition payments to either uh, the vocational or to a high school. Uh, if you're in a sending-receiving relationship, and some of the districts there, their entire 2% increase is uh, pretty much used just for the tuition payments. Uh, right. I mean, I think that's... That doesn't surprise. I mean, you're certainly going to have these types of issues throughout the state. I mean, every district's a little bit different, but I think that there's so many restrictions, there's, there's so many limitations on this new two percent law that, uh, you know, I think there's there's going to be several unintended consequences that are going to force districts to really significantly reduce um, their educational program. Um, before I go into my next question, uh, I see we have a number of callers. If you're interested. And at making a comment about what's going on in your district, or you have a question for Doug or myself, uh, you just press one while you're on the hold line, and uh, our screener will get to you and uh, forward the question on to me, and I'll I'll put you on the air. Uh, Doug, you move. I, I know uh, the business officials meet on a regular basis to share ideas. Um, what's your feeling out there? Is do most of feel that there's going to be cuts to either programs or staffing this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, we at our county meeting haven't really had a formal discussion about it yet, just because the, the timing was a little bit premature. We will probably have more detailed discussions at our January meeting, but um, I would surmise that every district is going to be, you know, having to make very difficult decisions and, and having to cut, you know, they always talk about cutting uh, – Fat. I think we're past cutting fat at this point. I think we're we're cutting, you know, muscle and and even bone uh, in certain districts at this point. Okay. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I know that districts have been now. You know, before I go on those cuts, how do you think that's going to be accepted by your community? I mean, uh, your parents, because I know the parents there are. Um, how can I say the parents are probably um, they have high expectations of their school district? And yeah, I, I think, they... you know, interestingly, from from the, the the few conversations I've had with some of the parents here, I think surprisingly, I don't think they really understand the ramifications of what's happened. I think that um, you know the governor is is a, a very sophisticated politician and you know comes across as being you know very charming and has a great sense of humor. And, you know, I think he, 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 he appears to someone that's not so knowledgeable to make perfect sense. But um, for someone that's not really paying such close attention, is not so intimate with the details of, of, of the school and school finance, it's easy to think that, you know, things make sense that Christie's proposing and the legislature's implemented. But um, I think when people start seeing how the quality of their school district starts eroding, people may have you know, a different uh, a different point of view on the, on the whole uh, law and, and the whole 2%. But the cuts that we're making now really will not be felt directly until the fall. Correct, for, for right now. I think, you know, there, there were many school districts that I know that had to make some significant cuts for the 10-11 the school year. I think that what, from, from my standpoint, what's so, you know, damaging with this you know, the current uh, structure from, from a school finance perspective is that there really isn't any way to get past it. By that I mean 
if you have, you know, if you have to make cuts for the 11-12 school year, it isn't as if that we're going to be able to restore those programs in the following school year because 2% is 2%. It's almost impossible to be able to to maintain everything that you need to maintain from uh, you know, maintenance costs, special education costs, you know, energy costs, um, health benefits, things like that. They're just they just don't grow typically by 2%, unfortunately, and that means something else has to be cut. And I don't see, you know, unless, the, you know, if the, if the 2% were, gonna, were, were to sunset, the, you know, obviously the economy is certainly difficult right now, um, that would have made more sense. But, you know, to go two, three, four years down the road, I think almost all school districts are going to be a shell of what they are. Yes, um... I think there's a lot of agreement on that one. Uh, I did have a superintendent, and I think it's a very legitimate comment, said he wasn't sure if people would be as quite as upset because he thinks the, the cuts will be incremental in nature and that one year you cut music, the next year you cut an athletic program, the next year it's a transportation. So it's not all happening all at once, but it's over. you look back three or four years from now, as you had indicated, and you're like, wow, we used to have all these programs, and now we don't have them anymore. But, and I think another another point, you know, to to uh, to dovetail on what you just said is going to be class size. I think people will, you know, will gradually notice a creeping up of class sizes because you're going to have fewer staff. Um, and I think it, you know, people may not realize year to year, but I think over a period of you know three to four years, they're going to say, "Wait, I have 29 kids in a class. How did that happen?" Especially when I'm paying so much in property tax. Okay, uh, I have a caller uh, who has a question, and I think he's probably familiar with the old Japan area. It's uh, it's uh, Ray Wiss. Ray? Hi, Ray. How are you? Hi, Doug. How are you doing, Ray? Good, good. I figured, uh, you know, since uh, you're uh, serving ably in the district that started my Board of Ed career, I better call in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do have a question. Uh, Doug, you've been, you've been talking about um, the, the scope and the specter of the, uh, the cuts that may be required to, uh, to bring a district within compliance uh, of the 2% tax levy cap. Uh, I'd like your thoughts on the expectation that's being created that compliance with the 2% tax levy cap is going to result in tax increases that won't exceed 2%. Um, my uh, inkling is that given the exceptions to cap and when we're talking about you know issues like um, health insurance premiums and pension, uh, that the tax impact, even in districts that comport with the the two percent tax levy cap, is still going to result in tax increases in the tax bills that are going to far exceed the two percent. Yeah, and, and for me, you know, in terms of the, if we are able to qualify for the exemption for health insurance, because that's the one that would be most likely for us to take advantage of. You're right. I mean, certainly people are going to have a higher tax bill if we're able to get the exemption than the 2% than people may be expecting. And also I think the issue is there's an over-reliance now on property tax. It's always been that way, especially up in, in this area uh, in, in old Japan. But I think it's even more that way now because without any state aid, you know, I, it kind of changes my perspective of the relationship with the community. You know, to use somewhat of a, of a, a business philosophy, People that live in in my town are really shareholders. You know, they they really make the decision for what the school is going to be, how it's going to look, because there is no more state money. I mean, I think about all the dollars that they pay in state income tax down to Trenton and not getting a penny back 
um, I think is a, is, a, is a bitter pill to swallow. And now what happens is they are really 100% funding their school. Well, I, I've quipped, and I, and I suppose it's uh, it's actually factually true that the notion of uh, state-supported public education in areas such as Old Japan and, and many other towns around the state uh, is now a misnomer because uh, the state is really not funding uh, any significant uh, aspect of uh, of the local school system. Exactly. Yeah, but they are regulating you. <laughs> uh, that we've noticed, right? You're right. <laughs> so, so um, where? What do you think will happen, Doug, as, as the um, the notion, and I, and I think it's an expectation out there, that the 2% tax levy cap is going to result in a curtailment of property taxes, and I'm not so sure uh, that we're necessarily going to see that on any immediate basis. What we're more likely to see is a reduction in the uh, the programs and the staffing levels uh, that have traditionally been, uh, you know, been at hand. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. Uh, I think there's there's no two ways about it that even if even with the limited exemptions that uh, the 2% cap law allows for, there has to be a reduction in in, in programs and staff within I, I'm assuming every school district. So um, to your point, yeah, I, I think that that the 2% may be an unrealistic expectation for certain people that that uh, are not as familiar with with schools, and certainly they'll be paying whatever it's going to be, 2%, 3% tax increases, but the quality of their schools will certainly be diminished. I think From we should also point out, though, uh, the 2% is not a 2% on increase in your budget. If It's a 2% on your property tax uh, levy. So if your district receives, say, 30% uh, state aid, it's really 2% on the 70%. Right. I, that's one of the – it's almost kind of a – like a backhanded benefit, if you will, for for not having any state aid, is that we we really are are fortunate that we have you know are able to take advantage of almost the full impact of the two percent because we get no state aid. So the two percent, the cap in and of itself doesn't affect all districts the same. The same way, right? right. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, from your, uh, can I may I just ask Doug from a BA's vantage point, uh, do you see the two percent cap as being uh, an economic uh, form of a consolidation or regionalization proposal. I mean, it, you know, that, there's certainly been discussion about that. That by forcing districts into an, an impossible um, cap, you're going to wind up cutting and cutting, which would probably, I guess, down the road, have uh, the community seeking consolidation to be able as a, as a way to maybe hold on to or maintain the old. Uh, education programs they used to have, but you know it's kind of a backwards way of of doing that. And you know it seems like, you know I, I think that even if they that is their next step, it's going to really come at a very high price. Um, Doug, uh, one of the complaints about school districts is that uh, they don't like uh, buckle their belts, I guess, t- tighten their belts, and uh, they need to share more services, but. From my experience, a lot of districts are doing shared services and probably have been doing them so long that it's taken for granted. But what are some of the shared services, if any, that your district is uh, doing or contemplating? Well, well, actually, for us, you know, Ultapan is part of the the Northern Valley um, region. We, we have somewhat of a – it's like a hybrid model. So it's sort of a unique model whereby we have a regionalized curriculum center, Um Along with other other regionalized areas, but the curriculum center, as an example, articulates the curriculum down 
from the, the high school down to our K-8 school district. Um, we also have a regionalized staff development program, uh, regionalized special education program. So a lot of the uh, like our autistic programs are, even though they're out of our school district, they're within the valley. Um, we also have a regionalized special ed transportation program. Um, we regionalize professional services, so occupational therapy and physical therapy. Um, our district, uh, Ultapan, participates in a joint insurance fund called NESBIG, which has been uh, a very successful venture uh, for the last 20-some-odd years that it's been in existence. Um, there, there's plenty of things that we do. I think a, a lot of it stems from the, the model that we have up here within Northern Valley um, has really, I think, saved quite a bit of money over the years. But I don't know how well publicized that is in terms of, you know, I think people in the community have a, a differing levels of understanding about that model and how it does, how we do share so much. Yeah, so there's not as much left to really look at sharing because you're sharing a lot of the programming already. Right. Well, I think that there's, you know, there's certainly more things than we over the last several years have gone out to, you know, we're a member of uh, the Middlesex Regional Ed Services Commission, which is a, cooperate, uh, a cooperative purchasing program. We also, um, you know, through there we get our energy services. We participate with uh, a program that's run by uh, the New Jersey ASBO, uh, which is my professional organization, which is for telecommunication services. Uh, we, we've certainly, as I think a collective group, have sought out to do more collective uh, cooperative purchasing um, to be able to, to do more with, with less dollars. Um, one of the other things I think that's more unique to Bergen County, we also, uh, one of the, the business administrators for, uh, for the Emerson schools a few years ago uh, came up with the idea of pooling all of our school districts to, to, uh, to create a banking consortium. And uh, I think that's grown now to, I think, 60 school districts, but basically we all pool our, our funds together to get more favorable rates at, at, at the bank. So uh, certainly people have been, you know, are, are seeking out ways to, to further each dollar. Uh, I think there's been a lot of, of very good ideas, most of which I, I think, again, are not necessarily so uh, noticeable or aware to, to most people in the community. Um, and what about your administrative costs? Do any of you, if I remember correctly, I think your superintendent pulls double duty as director of special services? That's a yeah, great memory. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, he does. He's actually the supervisor of the child study team as well as being superintendent. Um, you know, being a small school district, um, well, relatively small, we have about 850 kids, um, people have to wear multiple hats. Uh, we have a relatively small business office, um, so as, we, as you mentioned, the superintendent uh, kind of doing double duty, and, and you make it work. I mean, we certainly are, I think we're efficient, um, but also super busy, which is the way we should be. Okay, and uh, I see a, quite a few callers still on, and, and if you have any comments or questions, just uh, press 1, and that will let our calls, our screener know that you're interested in making a comment. Ray, um, Ray sure, why don't I, I, uh, you off, yeah, why don't I get off the line and let, uh, you know, let the other no, uh, callers tune in? I can, do, I can do another person if you had another comment. No, I, I think uh, you know Doug has uh, summarized the, what's being done in the Valley on a regional shared service basis, and I, and I do think from my travels around the state, while the models are different, uh, Ray, your point is well taken, that it's not as simple as saying let's expand the scope of shared services because I think most districts, uh, you know, through the leadership of business administrators have been long involved in that aspect. And while there's always something new that can be assessed and implemented, um, I think that the 
the scope of the cuts that we're talking about to comply with the 2% cap are probably well beyond uh, added shared services programs. I don't think the answer is going to be found solely in expanding shared services. Um, Doug, sometimes when we talk about these things, like that we need to spend more on the, on various things, it looks like we're looking to raise taxes. Uh, and the goal, I think, of the cap is to keep prices down, uh, not prices, the taxes down. Um, but is it is it if this stays in effect? I think you stated before, but I just want to hear it again. Do you feel that it, in most districts it will come at the expense of programs and staffing? Yeah, I think undoubtedly. I don't see any way that districts will be able to even maintain what they currently have if this stays into effect. You know, stays in effect for for several years. I think we're going to start seeing it if we haven't seen it already, and it's just I think going to get worse each year and there's no i think there's no I, I would be shocked if it's anything but that okay um i have one uh, uh, i don't see any other questions set there um if you had to have uh an, a, a waiver and adjustment uh which one do you think would be the most helpful for districts to manage their budget you think to 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 get an additional waiver, like yeah. something that's that's not within the law, or something that's in, in the law? Something already? that's not within the law currently. I think the special education waiver would be the the most. Uh, I think would be the most um, important one to to our school district, just because, of, as I said earlier, I think because of the the costs involved with with special ed out of district placements uh, and the uncertainty uh, and the you know the the uh, legal requirement. To to uh, implement it, I think that to me would be that's the area I feel most most vulnerable with. All right. Um, I don't see any more questions. Um, from talking to your colleagues, have you heard any uh, anyone who feels that this year they'll be able to get by with relative ease within the county, or <laughs> you haven't really had those discussions yet? I don't think anyone has that kind of warped sense of humor. <laughs> I don't think anyone's getting through with relative ease this year, unless, um, you know, unless they have some other revenue source that they're able to pull from. I don't, I don't know anyone that's going to feel that this year is easy. I, I just can't, I can't conjure up a scenario where that would be the case. Um, is any, uh, well, you know, before I go on, I, I do want to bring up to. Any of the listeners, you know, uh, Doug and I are talking about the 2% cap, but on uh, January 29th, I know the New Jersey School Board Association is hosting uh, a meeting on finding solutions and working together with your municipalities uh, in Trenton at the War Memorial Building. It's called Collaborating on Real Solutions to the 2% Cap. Topics for the the program I know include school budgets 101, shared services, what's working now, leveraging economies of scale, and building an interlocal toolkit. And that's January 29th. Uh, If you go to the New Jersey School Board Association's website, uh, there's a registration right on the front page that you can click on there. Um, Jim, comparing the 4% and the 2%, is it the two percent difference the the harder thing to, for a business administrator to get around, or is it the lack of adjustments and waivers? 
Uh, you mean Doug, right? Doug. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's I, I think it's both. I think that certainly, I mean, to, to put it in terms of old Japan, lose having our cap go from from four percent down to two percent uh, equates to about to almost a quarter of a million dollars, and adding to that the loss of six hundred thousand dollars of state aid leaves me with you know with a hole of about eight hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars before we even begin. So I think that the, the, the 2% reduction is certainly going to be um, a big problem for us. And I think to add insult to injury is the, the, the overly restrictive nature of the 2% cap without having any real waiver. And the, the two exemptions that we may take advantage of in terms of pension cost and, uh, and health insurance may be helpful. But I think the, the 4% system with the waivers, which there was a significant, you know, waivers for new schools and waivers for non-recovering revenue and uh, energy costs and so on and so forth, uh, would help out those districts that were really kind of scraping their knuckles against the bottom of the barrel. Um, under the current 2%, those exemptions and waivers aren't available. So you pretty much just have to make cuts to, to be able to balance your budget. And uh, I think, with you know, way, one of the things that I think is important that I want to, I want to say is, you know, I think it's somewhat of a misnomer that, that at least for the superintendents and business officials that I've spoken to, that they're unaware of the current economic climate. I mean, I'm certainly aware of it and sensitive to the fact that, you know, we know that people are losing their jobs and losing their homes. Um, I also know, you know, it's, this is something that may make good economic sense in terms of the 2%. My, my issue is that I wish it had a sunset provision. I think actually the former um, – Commissioner of Education, um, Dr. Labrero, was saying recently that he, he felt it's not a bad law, it just has to have a sunset so that when, when the economy approves that the 2% goes away. Because that's not there and we have to concern ourselves with this being here for the next three, four, five years and beyond, that's going to be a big problem, I think, for, for all school districts. Uh, that would seem to make sense in the, because you could look at it and say wage freezes are good for Dire, when you're in dire straits uh, for temporary to help you get through a year, two, or three, but is it a permanent uh, policy? And right, I'm just with glad a two percent hard cap, you're pretty much looking at very minimal staff increases. I think, yeah, I think it's there'll be in terms of a staffing, in terms of numbers. I think there's going to be, and I'm not speaking exclusively for my district, but just in general, I think there's going to be staff decreases for for uh, many, if not, you know, all school districts over the next several years. I don't see any way that that could be avoided. You know, although I will say, you know, we're talking about uh, how I wish that there was a sunset provision. I guess the silver lining, though, is that it at least wasn't put into the Constitution. So it, it can be changed um, legislatively as opposed to having to uh, another, you know, constitutional convention. Yeah, that was one of the, the things that the education groups were fighting for because they didn't want it in the Constitution for that very reason. So if it is, it makes it possible to be temporary, I guess. I have a call in from uh, Bob in Gloucester City. Hi. Uh, hold on. Bob, uh, you're on the air? Hello, how are you? Good. I'm just wondering, in the, the context of uh, all that's been said so far, uh, I'd be interested in your perspective uh, on, from the teachers' unions, you know, uh, view of the world, 
how is it possible to be continuing to ask for increases that are well above the 2%? What do they what do you think they know that we don't know about how that's possible and it won't have just uh, an exacerbated effect in reducing more programs and more staff? Uh, Doug, do you want to answer it, or do you want me to take that one? Uh, well, I mean, I can't really speak for the NJEA. I'm not a member. I mean, we, I, I usually, when, when we're doing negotiations, I'm usually sitting on the side of, of the Board of Ed. But um, you know, I, I don't I, – yeah, why don't you take that one? Because I'm not really sure how to – I would say, uh, uh, Bob, that I, from their perspective, uh, I think they're looking at the cap a little bit wrong, that they've gotten over a 4% increase when the cap was 4%. Uh, they were getting 4.4, 4.5, sometimes even up to 5, or even 4.1, but they were pretty much at that same level, so their feeling is the cap is not really the sole uh, reason to judge their increase on. Though I think this cap has a lot more restrictions to it. I think the public's will to support public education is different. Uh, so I don't think that they're... Um, I don't know if they know more than us. I think they have rose-colored glasses sometimes. And I, and Doug had stated it. I think we're going through a proposal time period here where I think that there's going to have to be uh, sacrifices, and sacrifices are probably programs and um, and staffing, particularly right. the higher the increase in the uh, settlement, probably the more that you'll have to lay off. Right, which would just exacerbate the whole problem, it seems. Uh, yes, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, and, but we're seeing settlements uh, below two, uh, pretty much across the board now. Their settlements are coming down, so the teachers, I think, are recognizing the situation, uh, or a, a good majority of the unions are recognizing it and are trying to adjust their settlement rates. But I'm not saying that's all over. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Doug, Bob's question did bring up something that I thought was uh, interesting. How would a wage freeze help this year? Because I don't think it would have the same effect with the 2% hard cap as it would with the 4%. So you probably, even if you had a wage freeze this year, it probably you're still going to have to make cuts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we. I'm not, you know, especially the fact that we're all currently frozen, that, that you know, everyone agreed to that. I would, I would, I think it's somewhat unlikely that we would get a wage freeze for the 11-12 uh, school year. But to your point, certainly we have, you know, we have less flexibility uh, in terms of the two percent. It's going to um, make it that much more difficult. Even if we were to accept or receive a wage freeze for all employees, um, it would still be, I think, requiring us to make some cuts. Yes. So uh, the wage freeze probably. While it was done last year uh, in your district, and was I'm sure very helpful, uh, this year probably will not say have the same benefit as it had the previous year, and probably trying to negotiate a wage freeze from the union two years in a row would be very difficult. Right. I mean, and, and we, you know, part of the the wage freeze was dependent upon a contract, and we have there's a contract that's in place with our teachers for the 11-12 school year, which. Um, you know, I, I have every reason to believe that we're going to honor that contract. Uh, and I, I should probably point out, when you're trying to put this year's budget together, 
you're not expecting any state aid. No, you're getting zero. But so well, I've been finalized my budget. We've, we've had some, uh, some preliminary discussions with uh, the finance committee, but um, no, we're, we're going under the assumptions built into my budget uh, include a zero for state aid. Yes, and uh, you know to get to your point, at least, uh, when we discussed earlier, this affects a lot of districts differently. They actually cannot cut your state aid anymore, but. If there is a reduction in state aid this year, I guess it will come from the districts who have state aid that they're getting. So they can, you're pretty much maxed out in terms of your cuts. In terms of state aid, that's that's correct. Although kind of watching the uh, the Supreme Court case to see how that turns, because that may wind up being you know, certainly more helpful to the former Abbott school districts, but that certainly uh, could be uh, could potentially lead to at least some restoration of our state aid too. Yeah, I'm being, I, being optimistic. I certainly, <laughs> I don't think that the uh, any court ruling will. Uh, there could be a possibility it would affect this year's uh, budget, but uh, I would think it would be more of an effect for next year. The governor has made clear, and this, I'll tell you, will probably be a sh another show in and of itself that he would uh, like to look at a new school funding formula, uh, one that he feels distributes the money more equally out to the suburban districts, if possible. Um, but for that to happen, uh, he probably will have to change some of the members of the Supreme Court, which leads to the, the whole discussion we've been reading about in the papers about the Supreme Court and the appointments thereof. Um, Doug, we're coming to the, the end of the show. Do you have any other comments or, about uh, the cap? That yeah, I mean, just the only thing be aware that, of? Know, we, we, I think we've we, I think we've kind of discussed most of it. I think the one thing, though, that that uh, we should we should make mention of is the scenario where the community doesn't approve a budget with the 2% cap. And I think, um, you know, for us, and I think kind of, you know, seems to be the common theme, but if the budget isn't, you know, supported by the community with the 2% cap, um, I think we're going to have even more extreme cuts because I think my budget at the 2% will have, you know, a pretty decent number of cuts this year. Um, a defeated budget would exacerbate the situation and, and just require us to cut even deeper. So, you know, I, I, one of the things that I, I know was not so clear was whether or not there would be a, a, a vote if there was a 2% cap, and as it turns out, I guess there, there will be, which uh, could, could be disastrous for those districts that have a defeated budget for this year. Yeah, and for the listeners, I, I think you should realize that there's a lot of talk about moving, maybe eliminating school board budget votes and moving school board elections to November. Nothing is definitive at this point. Uh, I think it's incumbent upon the, the boards of ed this year, maybe more than ever, is to really communicate with your community about the budget. And it probably will not be a budget that has all the bells and whistles that past budgets have had. But uh, the 2% is going to be very hard for the programs and the staffing uh, for the districts to live with. But if it doesn't pass, then it's not even 2%. Yeah, and one of the things to, to to just follow up with that, you know, the, the school budget for most communities is the only, you know, it's their only opportunity to for their voice to be heard. So, you know, they could have displeasure with their, you know, the way the municipality is spending or something else within, you know, um, some other governmental body, but their only their only vote is really for or against the school budget. So, uh, you know, I, I think that. You know, people may be voting against the school budget because they just are upset with the way things are, not necessarily upset with the school's budget per se. 
All right, that's bringing us to the end of our show. Doug, I'd like to thank you for joining me, uh, and I wish you good luck in your budget next year and board of ed. All right, thank you very much, Ray. And uh, it was a pleasure having you. I'll, I'll give you a call whenever I need questions on that. Um, I would like to uh, invite the listeners that next week the governor is giving his State of the State uh, address, and he has said that education reform is the the call for 2011, and that will be the topic of our next Friday's um, show. Uh, what, what's the impact of on education of the governor's State of the State? And I thank you for all uh, listening, and uh, goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.